0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Now we are in the second part of a series that we've just called Refreshing. And that's because God came that we might be fresh again. Fresh is just better. We All of us like fresh fresh is just way better than stale it's way better than old and so many times life can begin to to get off kilter and it begins to get difficult to live in this place and 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 recognize the the fresh life that god gives us so if you've got your bulletin you've got your Uversion app open then let's go ahead and let's get into our notes because we're looking at this concept that real transformation comes from being a new creation from being Fresh again. That Jesus came that we could have new life. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone, a new life. burgeons. look at it. There's new life. There's new life. Look at the new life and the fresh life that we have in Christ. And so many times we can begin to let our eyes drift back and see that there's still a fallen world, there's still problems, there's still issues, and we can begin to fixate on that. And man, what we fixate on, we begin to pull towards. But another thing is, is that a lot of times our inner alignment is going to show us And lean us where to go. So God came to do something different. He came to not just put some exterior boundaries on the outside of us. He came to do something fresh on the inside of us. Now, all of us have been there at some point in time where you have a car that alignment isn't quite right. You do the thing where if you let go of the wheel, it's going to pull to the left or it's going to pull to the right. Hopefully it pulls to the right. Left is bad. That's into oncoming traffic. And so if it's got to pull, let it pull right. And so uh, anyways, and so if you relax, then you're good. So those that fly know you, you you trim the plane up a little bit. So if you relax, you're not plummeting towards the earth. You're staying up in the sky. And so but whenever you're driving, it, it sometimes it's so your car can get so out of alignment that it actually begins to make it hard to go where you want to go. Now, when I was in high school, I wasn't. Always the most intelligent person, and uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I was uh, on my way back from lunch, and for whatever reason, the little too much testosterone that day, whatever. um, I was driving a okay, I was driving a single cab, long bed, Ford F100, with a 300 straight six engine. This was not a tear-up-the-highway speed machine, okay? This was just a work truck. and But there in Odessa, my buddy was driving a car that I thought was, was even sadder. And so we decided to race. And so we decided to go along, and we raced. And he's got this little four-cylinder Pontiac thing, and we're racing down streets in Odessa. Should not have been doing that. And uh, anyway, so... He's able to take a corner a little better than I'm able to take the corner, and I hit a really tall curb. And I hit the curb, and I bend my rim. And so and air starts to leak out, and the, the <coughs> so I go and I fill it back with air, and thankfully it seals, and I, so I didn't have to tell my dad, and think I, I think my dad is hearing this for the very first time <laughs> ever. And so why do I feel like I'm going to get grounded when this is over? (laughs) Babe, I don't know if we can go out on Friday night or not. I might get grounded. But anyways, after that, then not only did it bend my rim, but man, it majorly knocked it out of alignment. So then I'm trying to go straight, and my truck is wanting to go like right. If I let go of it, I literally could make a right turn i just go where I want to go, and just let go, and whoop, it would just turn. It was horrible. It was horrible. So consequently, as I'm driving to go straight and keep it where I want to go, I'm driving like this. And you can't relax, and you can't let up for a second. And you sit there because if you just take a breath, if you just relax, praise God, there were no texting. I guarantee you, I'd have smashed into somebody. That alert would have gone off, and I ooh, and then I'd have crashed. It'd have just been automatic. And so, but I tell you what, God has not called us to live like that. And trying to live our lives not in the new life, the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives us, is saying, God, I see that there's a better, straighter way to live. But I'm not going to invite your power and I'm not going to lean on you and I'm just going to try to force this thing down this road. And there's plenty of people who have tried this Christian life. And you can do it for a little bit. But you feel like every time I relax a little bit, I'm in the ditch again. Every time I relax a little bit. Man, I'm sitting there and making the little bubububububub bu- sounds and it's just every time. And God's not called you to live that way. If you're here in the first of the year and you're saying, you know what, I've gotten tired in the past of holding it, but I think in 2018 I can hold it. I think I can hold it straight in 2018. I'm ready, God, to try again. I'm telling you, let go of that mess. That's not what God has called you to do. He's not called you to sit there and strong arm your life to try to line up with Him. He tells you, in fact, to let go of your life. And to let Him have it and to let Him work on the inside of you. To let Him begin to do something fresh in you. So we must let God refresh our hearts to live the new life that we have in Him. If we can't try to live this new life in the old patterns, in the old ways... Say, well, I can, if I get real determined, I can do things for a little while. Man, there are some of you who are incredibly diligent, determined people. And you've made yourself successful on one front or another. You've made yourself successful at work. You've made yourself success, successful in, your, in a hobby or something. But you know what? There's none of us, not a single one of us. You go to any elite person in the world that they can sit there and have a win the board they won't do it they'll give all their energies into something and have some sort of big win there and some other parts of their lives are in shambles that's because we only have so much energy and most of us get tired of the energy and say the trophy at the end of it isn't worth it and we just kind of let it all go but God's not called us to live either way to say you know what the ditch is okay the ditch ain't that bad it's not that terrible. The ditch is bad, people. God had not called us to live in the ditch. But he also hasn't called us to strong arm this thing either. He's called us to live a new life. Ezekiel eleven nineteen 19 says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That was God's promise of what the Messiah was going to do. There was going to be this new work. There was going to be this wonderful new thing that he was going to do on the inside that was going to change things. It wasn't this old, stony, hard-to-shift heart. It was now going to be something that was a flesh and alive. That he was going to put within us a new spirit. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 119.32, it says, "I, I run in the paths of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And a lot of people who are Christ followers says, those two things don't jive to me. God commanding my life, God directing my life, and being free. Those things don't jive to me. Every time I try to do this thing where God, it just feels restrictive and, and controlling, and, and, and somehow I get lost in the mix. And can I just be honest with you? You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. So many times we take and we see these commands and we say somehow my life is supposed to be lived by by obedience and just this purposeful, willful obedience unto him right here. And he says, no, I want to live on the inside of you. I want to partner with you. I want to guide you from within. I want to change your turning tendencies. I don't want to give you these outside rules and regulations. I want to come inside and guide you from the inside. And then we're able to have this place so it says, where I run in the paths of your command, you've set my heart free. This looks like one of those allergy commercials. Where somebody's out in the beautiful Springfield and just running, and, and there's all this pollen, and nobody cares. Because the allergy pill is working. And we can enjoy all this, and, we've, and all these things that would have been burdensome and terrible and make your runny snot go crazy and, and, and ruin the commercial. All these things. Our God, and you can just enjoy. God has called us to be able to do that, but so many times we don't see that, that, that the life in Him, of letting Him be Lord of our lives, is free. The question is, look, most of us look at our lives, and us being Lord, we know where that gets us. It's some winds here. Some failures there and some frustration across the board. But God's called us to live a new life. See, the old <coughs> covenant Christ followers, not Christ followers, oh God followers, the people of Israel who were looking for Christ, who were looking for a Messiah, that they saw and referenced what the law of Moses. They actually, within their community, called, to, called it the pathway of blessing. And that's because there is a place that when God says this is the this is the better way to live it is a pathway to blessing. But somehow what they all they wanted was the blessing and they didn't want God. So they're just like, "God, give me the ways to fix me and I'll be all right. I'm not really that much about you. I just want the ways to fix me." And Jesus rebukes them. In John chapter 5, this isn't in your notes. Says you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, the scriptures are given to us to reveal God. And so many times we go to God, so he'll reveal it, so the scriptures will be revealed. God's called us they to use the scriptures to reveal Him. It's about knowing Him and trusting Him and growing in that. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The message translation says you're blessed when you can get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. We can see that He's at work. He hasn't left us alone. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's guiding us. We begin to see through a different lens. And instead of just fixating on all the brokenness, we see the place where God is alive and at work and bringing some healing and some wholeness. So many times you get a bad wound and it begins to heal from the edges. And so many times the first thing you look at is you look that there's still a scab or there's still something there. And and we forget that there are parts that have been healed. There are parts that aren't aren't wounded anymore. And in, in our lives we can begin to do that. God's healing power can be at work all around us. And all we do is fixate on the part that's still a little tender and still a little in process. So... We know which heart, the older, the new, that we're living from by a few key things. I want to quickly hit on these things. And one of the first ones is the words we speak. The words we speak will tell us if we're living out of the old or the new heart. Matthew 12, Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words are reflective of what's happening on the inside of us, of what heart we're living out of. So every time those words begin to bubble out that don't align with the nature of God and the heart of God, that should begin to be a check and say, okay, God, what part of my heart am I not letting you into? Whenever I get frustrated with work and all of a sudden all that comes out is the nasty and the negative. Lord, I need you to work in my heart, in the area of my job. I want to be able to work for you and not, and not like it's for others. Not live under a burden. What are my words whenever I speak about my family and I deal with the different issues of my family? If you find yourself so often talking about the frustrations and the pain and the disappointments and all those different things, then maybe you need to say, God, I need some restorative work in the area of my family in my heart. You want to do a new thing in that area. It works across the board. As we step into the fast today, this fast is simply what we're doing. We're not saying don't eat for 21 days. Oh, you can be so hangry. We we won't need to go to two services. (laughs) This will be the most unfriendly place around. (laughs) What this is about, fasting if you've never done it. Fasting is taking something in your daily life. And eliminating it and taking the time and the the energy and the thought process that's now opened up with that with you not doing that thing and taking that time to lean into God. A meal is real easy. Takes 30 minutes to an hour for each meal of your day. You have to think about what you're going to eat. You have to think about what you're going to do. All of those different things you say, no, I'm going to fast one meal a day. Or I'm going to fast this or that, and you say, okay, now I'm going to take that time, and maybe I'll spend a little extra time in the Word, or take a, spend a little extra time in prayer. Or maybe I'll just take a prayer walk. And during that time, then I'll just go outside, and, or in my office, or wherever, and, and I'll just spend some time, however God leads you. And so, and that's one way that you can fast. Some of you may really like a particular show, or sports, or whatnot, and you're going to eliminate that part from your life. Every time so, some people, some of you are going to take sugar and sweets and it doesn't take time. But every time that thing pops up that you want that Kit Kat so bad that you're going to take that as a reminder. That's like, I'm going <coughs> to I'm actually going to pray every time I want a Kit Kat, every time I want to reach this peanut butter cup. Wow. Some of you can need to pray right now. <laughs> and so and that's what this fasting is. And some of you words are a real big deal. And maybe you're going to fast speaking your mind. <laughs> just being honest. Begin to let God uh, tone you down a little bit. And when that time comes that you feel like you need to uncork, that you go, all right, this is some God time. And instead of running my mouth at that person or running them out at this, I'm going to run my mouth to God. And I'm going to do that there. Maybe you need some, a word fast. Maybe of what's coming out of your mouth, you need to shift that. Another place we see this is the way we use our resources. Man, (coughs) anytime the FBI wants to get a profile on an individual, they'll obviously talk to their neighbors and people and different things, but they will make sure they have access to that person's bank accounts. (coughs) And so because in getting into their bank accounts and seeing... What is important, where their money goes, can begin to immediately reveal what kind of person this is. What they do with their resources reveals what's important. They get into my bank account and they're going to see that Walmart, H-E-B, and apparently Marshalls is a big deal to the Clark household. (laughs) And now Lowe's. Lowe's hardware. But they'll begin to see those different things. They're like, oh, man, going to the gym isn't a big deal to Brandon Clark. I'll find that on there. But it reveals. The Word tells us the same thing, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Luke 12, 29 says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about that. It says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't set your heart on these temporal things that we want because so many times our resources show us where our heart is and we can set a heart and you go, well, I, I just, I can't give up that. Man, that, that's, that's where I find my, that's where my, my me time is. That's my little thing I do for me. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need to take a little fast from that area of your life. And there's some people that need to go to the gym more, and there's some of you that need to go to the gym less. It's a lot fewer, <laughs> small, smaller part of the population, <laughs> but there's still some of you. Because you're so obsessed on that, and you're so worried about that, and you set your heart on your physical appearance and all those things, and maybe instead of one day a, wo- one day a week, set your gym side of time and spend some time with God. Let that new heart thing begin to work there. The last thing is the passion with which we live. Everybody that knows you well knows how to get you amped up. I've got some friends that I can sit there and I can make them go zero to 60 on certain subjects that quick. All I can do is make a Dallas Cowboys joke and... (laughs) Pastor. Don't play, Pastor. Some of you getting ready to walk out. There they go, right now. There they go. Dallas Cowboys. All I had to do. There they go. Lord, deal with them. Or maybe somebody makes fun of your NASCAR, or somebody, somebody says that Joanna Gaines is overrated. Some sweet lady's going to punch me in the eye on the way out today. I'm going to need a bodyguard. There are all sorts of different things. You're passionate about something. And it shows up when you engage with those things. The passion with which you connect with God and you live these things out for God is a revealing place of where your heart is. It's great to go crazy at the TV. It's great to be engaged and not miss a this or a that. But well, let's make sure that some of that passion is connected with our relationship with God. That our passion is in loving God and in loving people as well. We don't get worked up about that. You know, I appreciate it when I see people that you somebody accidentally says something about an individual. And they don't even know the person, but they just don't like the fact that that person was just run down. And they bow up. Like, Why are you talking about that person like that? Why are you doing that? And all of a sudden you see them get a little, I'm like, man, they don't like to see somebody torn down. That's awesome. That's a wonderful thing to get passionate about. There's some things that need to be there. Colossians three twenty three says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as Working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that (coughs) you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Engage with it. Like it's connected with God. Our passion should show up. I appreciate that there are people who are passionate about their jobs. And that there are people who, who want to do a really good job at whatever they do and they're passionate about it. And I, I love talking to people who are passionate about things. And if we ever get this chance to sit down, one of the things I will do is try to pick and ask questions and find out what you're passionate about, and then we will talk for 30 minutes on that. Just because I enjoy hearing people share about it, whether it's model trains or Mr. Miyagi bonsai trees or whatever. <laughs> it's interesting to me when someone is passionate about it, whatever you do. See, as God is refreshing us from the inside out, our new heart will help us to see in a new way. Here's a cool thing. Is that the Holy Spirit comes and, and the Holy Spirit is represented as a wind. In fact, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, which is air. So I think it's an easy analogy for us to see that when we were stuck in darkness, so much of that darkness wasn't the absence of light. God was there. But there was this fog that came in. And things began to cloud things out. And as we invite the wind of the Spirit to come in and begin to blow that out, then now all of a sudden we can begin to see clearly. We begin to see and have visibility that allows and sees all that is stretched before us. Ephesians 1, 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There's already a hope that you've been called to the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You already have an inheritance in the saints. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. God's power is incomparably great. And it's at work for us who believe. We just need to let the Holy Spirit begin to help us understand and reveal these things. Paul also says to the Roman believers, in Romans twelve two, he says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And then Paul writes to his number one disciple, Timothy. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith and some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk folks that new heart is a heart of love and sadly when he says some have turned from these and turned to meaningless talk he's talking about about christ followers he's talking about church people that they've turned from love And what they have been left with is meaningless talk. And so many times what we find out in the the church world is meaningless talk because it is not wrapped in love. I pray that everything that we do is connected to love. Our bottom line today is, is we operate by love, powered by a new God wants that new heart to be what's in the driver's seat. Not you trying to strong-arm things over and keep it down the center line, but letting the new heart guide you and direct you. See, fresh life comes when we let God do something fresh in us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.